Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Good morning and happy Mother's Day. I'm going to extend another happy Mother's Day welcome to you. Uh, after Andrew and Hannah gave their lovely welcomes already. I hope, mothers, that you feel loved and celebrated, and it's a fantastic day this morning. Uh, For those of you I haven't met, my name is Megan Serkham. I am married to Andrew Serkham, who is a campus pastor here at uh, Gateway City. We have four beautiful children. Uh, Olivia is our oldest. She's nine. I think there might be a picture of us. Yep, there we are, crazy. Uh, Olivia's nine, she's our oldest, Jacob is four, and he is our youngest. Um, and it's a, it's a busy house, but we have lots of fun together. Uh, but before I start, I'd just love to um, open with prayer. So would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you uh, for your word, for your message. And God, I pray that the words that I speak this morning would penetrate people's lives and that it wouldn't be my words they hear, but your words. And Lord Jesus, we, we love you, we worship you, we praise you, and it, we are in anticipation of what you're going to say this morning. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, a few weeks ago, I was walking through the shopping center with Jacob, and Jacob is our four-year-old boy, and he's got lots of energy most of the time. But in this instance, we're walking through the shopping center, and he, when we're in the shopping center, he's like distracted, like everything catches his attention. He wants to touch everything, look at everything. Um, and so I'm walking about five paces ahead. He's like running behind me, trying to keep up, but touching everything and looking at everything in the process. And I hear somebody call mother, mother behind me. And honestly, it took her a few goes before I actually stopped because I was so distracted and so far ahead. Uh, But she catches up to me and she goes, mother, she says, you need to slow down. Your little guy can't keep up with you. I was like, oh, I've just been schooled by grandma (laughs) telling me how to be a mum. And normally I would just be like, yeah, yeah, funny, thank you, he's slow. Uh, But actually this moment I did stop and I just thought, yeah, you're right. Actually, I do need to slow down. And my message this morning, that my message this morning is titled, In Order to Love Well, We Need to Slow Down. Japanese theologian Kazuo Kimitori, who wrote the book, The Three Mile an Hour God, said, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It is an inner speed. It is a, it is a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed in which we are accustomed to. It is slow. Yet it is Lord of all other speeds. It goes on in the depths of our life, whether we notice it or not, whether we are currently hit by a storm or not. At three miles an hour, it is the speed we walk, and therefore it is the speed the love of God walks. Now, to be honest with you, as you can tell from my story, I am the worst person to be delivering a message this morning on speed. Um, But that's okay. In humility, we're going to all give it a go. Uh, And I'm sure we'll get something out of it. 
I am honestly, I'm the stereotypical mom in the 21st century who's just trying to keep up with the status quo, just trying to keep up with my own expectations, all the jobs, all the responsibilities, all the kids. And if you ask Andrew in my kids, all of my worst moments as a mother, as a wife, and straight up human being is when I am stressed, have said yes to too many responsibilities, and just feeling tired, angry, stressed out, and just done. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Maybe it sounds familiar to you parents out there who are trying to get their, your kids out of the house and to school on time. When you're running late, are you oozing love and patience for your kids? Or are you like, come on, get your shoes on, let's go, we gotta go, we're gonna be late. This never happens in our house. <laughs> Hurry and love are not compatible. They're like oil and water. They just don't mix. We live in a culture addicted to speed, and I don't mean the drug if that's what some of you are thinking right now. Everything has to be done fast now without delay. We live in an instant, gratifi instant gratification culture. To stop, to pause, to slow down is just not an option. If you're going to be competitive, going to win, going to be the best, you certainly can't stop and heaven forbid take a break. Speed has become the measure of success in our secular culture. We want faster computers, faster internet, instant speed, instant food, instant gratification. We are speed obsessed. We are all products of our environment and the culture in which we swim. We rarely, if ever, slow down long enough to think of the ramifications and evaluate the impact speed is having on our very souls. On the other side, if speed is good, then slow must be bad or not as good. Living a slow life doesn't mean you settle for a bad life, though. On the contrary, we see and we look at the life of Jesus, we see someone who lived a slow pace, but purposeful, meaningful, and incredibly intentional life. I'm going to make a potentially controversial statement right there now, and I know that this is probably not what you're supposed to do when it's your first time up preaching, but here we go. I think we need to re redefine the metrics of success that our culture has given us. The metrics that say wealth, job titles, fame, and happiness are what's most important in life, and these should be the things that you work hard for and what define you. Now, none of these things are bad in themselves, but we do need to be careful of our motives and the priorities and places that they have on our hearts. It's no surprise then that Jesus had a, sorry, a very different metric. Now, we're going to, um, the message for this morning is going to be found in John 15, 9 to 13. And so I'd like to read that for you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. As we look at the life of Jesus this morning, I'd like to look at three spiritual disciplines. Jesus developed his life in obscurity. He developed a life that was interruptible, and he lived a life full of grace. Only when we have the courage to start living as Jesus lived, we will obtain the spiritual, healthy, rich, and vibrant lives at this pace that is compatible with love. We need to slow down in order to love well. Firstly, we look at Jesus. Jesus developed his life in obscurity. The context of this passage we read is Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's, he's telling them what it's like to live in the vine. He is the branch, we are the vine. Or oh, maybe I've got that the wrong way around. We are the vine, he is the branch. And we are to be kept in step with him. We are to, be, to stay close to him, to develop our relationship with him. When we know that we are loved and secure, it changes the way we live. We operate from a sense of value and worth because of what our Heavenly Father has done. Jesus knows his disciples like us can fall into believing lies about ourselves. And so he wants to re reaffirm who we are in him. Verses 10 and 11 go on to say, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy in, may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We find our source of life and joy in becoming connected to Jesus. And when we are secure in his love and affirmation, you are released to find joy in whatever you do free from the burden of expectation and performance. But we don't obey out of duty because we're gonna get something in return. Rather, we find our desire transformed in Christ's likeness into a single-minded joy and devotion to God as we spend time with him. We read here that in order for Jesus to remain connected to loving devotion to his heavenly Father, he needs to be with the Father, to spend time with the Father, to pray, to be in the quiet, to be transformed into the image of God. And when we read in the Gospels, we see that Jesus spends this time with God often. Nine times in the Gospels, it says that Jesus went to a quiet place to pray, or he went away to be with his heavenly Father. Luke uh, 5, 15 to 16 shows us this example. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him, and he healed the sick. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Even though Jesus was becoming famous and sought after, it was clear that his identity was not found in what he was doing. That that wasn't who he was. That was not who he was his life was not in that. His security was found in his heavenly father. For many of us here today, you might, be, you might find yourselves currently in positions of authority, of leadership, and in responsibility in different spheres of your life. And God is calling you to stay connected to him, to stay connected to the vine, to find your, your strength, your 
um, identity, your security in him. And only when you do that with him on a regular basis, were you going away, were you spending time with him, were you um, taking the time out of your busy schedule to be connected, to, uh, to be um, energized and loved by God, will you actually know that security? A life developed in obscurity will lead to a life of security. Now, if your mom's here this morning, there's a good chance that you don't have to work hard at um, finding obscurity. Your lives might actually be obscure. I know for myself, um, my life is. Uh, I spend most of my time living in the confines of our house, and don't get me wrong, it's beautiful, Uh, but... um, There's nobody there saying, well done, great job, here's your raise because of all the things that you've done, the house that you've cleaned, the toilets that you've cleaned. Um, Nobody's going to say that to you. But don't despise your time in obscurity. And that goes not just for moms, but for all of us. Don't despise your time in obscurity because you know that that time is really important because those are moments where God is forming you and shaping you and you are going deeper in the Heavenly Father's love for you. We see that Jesus' life, Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was 30 years old. So he had 30 years of obscurity before he actually started his ministry and started Um, living a life um, where he was in the spotlight. Often often our time of influence is short compared to the years of growth and development leading up. Can I encourage you to make the most of your hiddenness? So if if you are living in a role or a job or operating in something where you do have Um, lots of responsibility, then you're going to have to work really hard at becoming more obscure from stepping back, stepping away from the spotlight and spending that time with God. And if you are living in a life of obscurity, I'd encourage you just to make the most of this time because it's this time now that's really important that God is going to use you for the future. But the foundations have to be laid firm now in order for you to succeed in the future. Dallas Willard in his book, Renovation of the Heart, which if you haven't read, I'd really strongly encourage you to do so, says, the vision, the vision which underlines spiritual transformation in Christ's likeness then is a vision of life now and forever in God's will and presence. What we are aiming for in the vision is to live full in the kingdom of God and as fully as possible here and now. Personal development and transformation rarely, if ever, succeeds by accident. Effective action has to, be, has to involve intention. So be intentional about your spiritual transformation. Slow down and take the time to be with God. Now we see that Jesus developed a life of obscurity. And second, we're going to look at how Jesus developed a life of interruptibility. We read in verse 12, my command is is love each other as I have loved you. We see that Jesus' life, that he wasn't in a hurry. And so he was able to be interrupted. He was able to be present in every moment with every person. 
Jesus' public ministry, as I said, lasted three years. Honestly, if I had the responsibility Jesus had to do all that in three years, I probably would have been hyperventilating in a brown bag most days. The stress. I think of, um, sorry. Incredibly, though, despite the urgency, we see Jesus operating at a slow pace, present to the moment in every person he encountered. I love the fact that Jesus spent his ministry life being interrupted by people, people who were seeking healing, seeking help, seeking life. One of these stories we read in Mark 5, which is a beautiful story of a woman who was absolutely obscure, no one saw, but who Jesus saw, who took the time and he healed her. Mark 5, 24 says, A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered, great de- she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had on getting help. But she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up in behind him and in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she had been freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and suffer no more. I love this story. In the picture we hear, here, we see Jesus is unhurried. He's unhurried. He is on his way to heal someone who is dying. And yet he has the time to stop and to see someone who was completely obscure, who in that culture, nobody would have given her any time. She was an outcast. She was not important. But yet he had the time to stop and to to make the time for her. I got to the end of 2019, and I was absolutely cooked. I was tired, I was exhausted, it had been a busy year, the kids' schedules were crazy, Um, I was sick, and I just frankly, I wasn't enjoying life, and wasn't enjoying all that was going on. And I vowed that the next year was gonna be different, and I prayed that God, you know where this is going, And I prayed that God would help me to stop and slow down. Be careful for what you pray for. Because three months later, we found ourselves in lockdown, and I was, I had slowed down. I was very much forced to slow down. Albert Einstein is attributed to defining the word insanity as doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And that was me, I was on the treadmill. I was just, I was keeping up with everything that had to happen, with all the schedules, the activities, saying yes to too many things, and I was just on this treadmill. I knew things had to change. 
And with the technological advancements we have made in the last 50 years, the reality is that we aren't experiencing this, this utopian hope of a better life that is more relaxed and more chilled out. Perhaps techno technological and economic progress does not always equal human progress and flourishing. If it did, I don't think we'd be seeing the amount of anxiety and stress and people struggling with burnout. Hurry and busyness are not, are not only leaving us anxious and insecure, but leaving a trail of relational destruction behind us. It's robbing us of our capacity to love. You see, love takes time to cultivate and nurture. Who has time to cultivate love when you're busy and in a hurry? Hurry is robbing us of our ability to respond to others in love, in empathy, in care. Hurry is stopping us from honestly just stopping, stopping us from to appreciate other people, to care for others, to nurture. The pressures around us are stopping us from being interruptible and therefore robbing our capacity to love. Not only does it stop us from loving those around us, but it stops us from loving God. In the book, The Holy Longing, The Search for Christian Spirituality, Ronald Rollheiser writes, Today, a number of historical circumstances are blindly flowing together and accidentally conspiring to produce a climate within which it is difficult not just to think about God or to pray, but simply to have an interior depth whatsoever. We, for every kind of reason, good or bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. It is not that we have anything against God, in God, depth and spirit. We would like these things. It is just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these things show up on our radar screen. We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, and more interested in the movie theater, the sports stadium, and the shopping mall, and the fantasy life they produce in us than we are in church. Pathological busyness and distraction and restlessness are major blockers today within our spiritual lives. The restless pursuit of activity is robbing us of intimacy with God. And it's robbing us of growing deeper into a spiritual depth with God as well. As John Ortberg notes, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith, it is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. So what must we do and how do we slow down? Firstly, make time to be with Jesus. What you give your time and attention to is who you are becoming. And that can sometimes be very confronting and scary. Take the time to walk closely with Jesus, cultivating good rhythms for your life that will allow you to live a life of deep intimacy with the Father. Go deep and connect into the vine. Secondly, plan to be present with your family and try to work at disciplining yourself so you're not so distracted. Don't let the family and friends be the collateral damage in your busy life. It is almost impossible to live kingdom-focused lives that are motivated by love but consumed with secular values. So often the Christian life of success will look a lot like failure in our world. Measuring life 
is a, measuring a life of love that embraces the eternal kingdom of God, that is what our priority is. It is the eternal perspective that we're looking for. Your relationships, your relationship with your husband, your wife, your family, friends, those are the relationships we pray that last forever. So go deep and work at cultivating those things that are gonna last forever. Give your time and attention to that. We see that Jesus developed a life of obscurity, and we also see that Jesus was interruptible. And finally, I'd like to look at, the Jesus, at Jesus' life, that he had a life full of grace. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down one's life for his friend. I think this is one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible and the most challenging. Jesus, again, is pointing to the cross and predicting his own death. But instead of using the words like, I have to go, or um, I'm being forced to die, he uses this beautiful word of lay down. This is a generous, voluntary act of laying down one's life and can only be done in incredible love because he had a perspective. He knew what his goal was. He knew his purpose, and it wasn't, to have fame and fortune here on earth. It was for heaven. That is true love. The ultimate price anyone could pay for a debt is done out of complete loving surrender. The price of one life so another can go free. Today we give thanks for our mothers. Mothers have been sacrificing their lives in blood, sweat, and tears for centuries, choosing to give up themselves in order to love their children. That is love. True love is sacrificial. True love comes at a cost, and true love is what everyone is desperate for in our world. The wonder of God's love is that it, meant, that it meets us anywhere we are at now. God has sacrificed himself so that we can experience his transforming love. And in full, we are invited into a life of security. This is the greatest gift we have and the greatest gift we can give others. I'd like to finish this morning by um, showing you or giving you a visual illustration analogy. So in the 15th century, there was an art form that was developed called kintsugi. I think you'll see a picture of it coming up. Kintsugi is um, art that was developed in Japan, and it's when a broken object was, um, had been broken but put back together with the value of actually a gold lacquer or gold running through it. So the value in the object was no longer that it was perfect, but actually the imperfections in it, the broken pieces put back together, made it more beautiful than it was to begin with. Our lives are like broken objects that have been destroyed by sin, by the world. We have broken pieces, broken relationships, broken desires. We have broken dreams. And we are all in desperate need of Jesus' blood, his precious blood that was poured out for us to put us back together with. We have been offered grace. 
Grace is what Jesus has offered to put us back together, to make our lives new. And we offer that grace to a world who is in pieces and in desperate need of the Father putting them back together. I'd love to close this morning um, by praying for um, some mums or just if anyone feels like God is speaking to them. I'd love to pray for us that God um, would break into our lives and by doing so that he would put us back together. He would knit us back together. He would glue us back together by his precious blood. See, the beauty in Kintsugi is not that it's perfect. It's actually the imperfection. And there is great beauty in our imperfection. And none of us are perfect. And we're all in need of God's grace. So this morning, I'd love to pray for you. If you feel like your schedule is just crazy, that you're busy, that you'd love to get off the treadmill, and that you're needing God to help you just step back, step away, and reevaluate your priorities and spend that time with God, I'd love to pray for you now. And maybe you're here and you're living a life of obscurity and it's really hard. And you kind of wonder, what's it all for? And is it worth it? I'd love to encourage you that Jesus sees you. Jesus sees what you do when nobody else is seeing and nobody else is watching. I'd love to just pray and I'd love to encourage you this morning. And maybe you feel like you're living a life that is not interruptible. Maybe you're feeling like life is too busy to stop, to slow down, to be interrupted by what God is wanting to say to you and speak to you. I'd love to uh, invite you to stand as well. So if if any of those connect with you in any way, um, you don't have to be a mom. I'd love to pray for you this morning and pray that God, by His Holy Spirit, would just transform our lives to be lives that can go deep in His presence that can have those firm foundations so he can use us into the future. So if that's you, I'd invite you to stand this morning so I can pray for you. Anybody else? Our lives are like broken balls. But in Jesus' precious blood, he puts us back together. And what an encouragement that is. Uh, I'm gonna pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for those that you see here. God, you know their stories and you love them. And Lord, I pray for those who are feeling that just life is out of control and they just desperately want a change. Lord, would you help them? Give them the courage to step out and say, enough's enough. I need to get off the treadmill and I need to cultivate a life that can be transformed by you. And Lord, for those who are here who are living a life of obscurity, God, I just pray that you would encourage them. I pray that they would know that you see them and that they are loved and that there is deep meaning and deep purpose happening right now in their lives and the foundations that they are working at would go deep in God that their maturity would grow and flourish and God I pray that you would use them someday for your kingdom and glory and Lord for those here who feel like they are just not interruptible and that is me God, I pray that you would just help us to love in such a way where our service is to you and not to our priorities, 
where our service is um, to see your glory and your kingdom come on the earth and is not to see our own wills be done. And God, when we live in a life of security, we live in a life of freedom to love others and to be able to stop. Lord, would you encourage us now? Encourage us all who feel a bit broken and in desperate need of being put back together by your, hev- your love. And thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you have done here in this place. And Lord, we worship you and we praise you. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.